two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step back on the cold. Problems. Mm. Tell us the fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, the CO double MON synonym for fresh truth is the emblem. You. <laughs> Dude, what are you doing, Gato? Don't oh, do that. Feels good. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Weird. <laughs> Just gonna sit there and do one of these all Fuck day. Off. <laughs> all right, everybody, welcome back to the Second Mouse Podcast. We're a lifestyle podcast about the musings of the day, general commentary, and anything you f- we feel that you need to know. Um, we took a little break. Uh, some of us were feeling a little under the weather last week, but I will reintroduce you to our to the co-hosts. My name is Tom, and why don't you all introduce yourselves again? My name's Gatto. I'm not okay. I'm the aforementioned person. I'm kid. <laughs> Have you guys paid any attention to March Madness at all? Does the nation even care, or is it just people that like to bet? Uh, I watched a little bit of it, but I mean... You like to bet. Nah, really. <laughs> you know how inflation's bullshit? My haircut has been the same price for 20 fucking years. The price of a haircut has stayed relatively fixed despite insane amounts of inflation. Why is it that he doesn't have to do much more, but other companies that shouldn't feel any type of bite from inflation are quadrupling the prices of their goods? Because it's a exclusively, almost exclusively um, labor-based job. Why because are the price services? the prices of scissors, but the prices of scissors are, are not going up exponentially. And he's not buying them every week. But why are services still the price of services going up? Well, because they it, during times of strife, a lot of times people don't like to be a dick and say, "I'm going to charge you thirty dollars for a haircut instead of the twelve dollars that I charged you last month." Because, like, you're seeing a lot of backlash with Netflix, right? Netflix is raising prices again, despite the fact that they're losing content. And they can't canceling the content that's actually good. And people are like, uh, and now they're cracking down on passwords too. I mean, Netflix and Chipotle are two that are getting ridiculed right now. Chipotle the is bullshit. The thing is though, is that both of those are always raising their prices. Yeah. And it's a thing that they do all of the time and everyone th- throws a fit. But I also see a bunch of people who are going to Chipotle every fucking day who swear by it. And it's like the only difference between this and Taco Bell is that I'm not like 13 beers deep when I walk into Chipotle. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm only I'm only like half in the bag when I go to Chipotle. That's normally like six martinis at lunch. I, I don't think that's necessarily fair, though, Tom, because. You know, I I've, I I heard once that Taco Bell is the best place to go to eat after a blackout. 
a long blackout, mainly because most of their ingredients are, are freeze dried and not like frozen. So if there's like a period of time where the electricity's out, you don't have to worry about it being spoiled. Oh, I thought so, you, when you said blackout, I thought you meant like blackout. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, 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 said, yeah. I, have, I, I was actually right. gonna ask about gonna... that too. Like, what constitutes a long blackout? Because if you, if you are like I, I blackout can... drunk for longer than like six no, hours, I'm not I've been blackout drunk for about five power, years. I don't know how power, I got here. A power outage. Okay? Well, cute. Know your audience, all right? You fuck. <laughs> power outage. God We're damn fucking it. degenerates, all right? Fucking degenerate alcoholics. So is it power hour outage? Power outage. Power hour outage. Power hour outage. Wow. Power outage. <laughs> I will say Chipotle does have like fresh and they seem fresh ingredients and you see them cooking it in front of you. I mean, so it is better. Rich man Taco Bell. Let's be honest. But what's bullshit about Chipotle is that they said they raised prices last time because they gave a raise to their employees after like a lot of backlash. So what's this one about? Because it's a Tuesday and you felt like raising prices. I mean, the CEO needs another yacht. I was just gonna say, you know what? You know what's even better than Chipotle though, like the local, like Mexican restaurant. Oh yeah, does like always. It's so much better. There's a place Avocados that's in like Blue Point, I believe. It's a fucking amazing. Dude, Tex-Mex place just opened up by me, and it's fucking incredible. I will say though, there is a very thin margin between like bad Tex-Mex restaurants or mexican restaurants and good ones like I will agree the good that. ones are like this and everybody else is just like we're gonna overcook this steak but it's okay we'll put four inches of fucking cheese on top of it you won't know any better <laughs> how about throw well, some pico on there too so you're good don't worry about it yeah it There's, all depends on how endless their margaritas are exactly the, mm. the i've kind of moved away from like Mexican restaurants like that. Cause I've just noticed that everything is just like burned steak and cheese, which is <laughs> not a terrible combination, but like if you eat it once a week, like there's only so many times you can do that before. Like, okay, I'd, I'd like something that's not just basically a block of molten chess. That's why it's, <laughs> that's why it's important that these restaurants maintain a strong salsa game. Because one week, maybe you want to go like smoky with some chipotle salsa. And then next week, you might want to go sweet with like some pineapple or mango salsa. You know what I mean? That's... You, know it's a, you know it's a good place when they have their salsa in like a milk carton. Fuck yeah. <laughs> like when it comes in like just a bowl on the table and you like, just spoon it in. Like, like the gallon water jugs that they have at the grocery <laughs> store and they just like dump it into a fucking bowl for you and they just throw I, the chips at you. Like, stop eating somebody, you sick fuck. <laughs> I will say though, Gato, you are right though because like a good drink game is kind of the key. There's a place called the Cabana in Long Beach. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I got, like, fucked up on margaritas there. They have a pineapple one that's just, like, bananas. So, so. is it a banana margarita? <laughs> I was you, just Tom. about to say that, Fuck too. <laughs> you, Tom. This is fucking a good question. Mar- fucking banana margarita drinking fuck over here. God damn this it. is a good question to ask, though. I am of the opinion that there is one thing that every restaurant should do right in order for you to classify them as a good restaurant. Mm-hmm. I'll go last, but so if I go there and it's amazing, and then the next time I go and it sucks, 
I rather consistently good rather than miraculous one time and then terrible the next time. Yeah. And I've, I, there's so many times I've gone to restaurants and I'm like, that's incredible. And you hype it up to people and you go back and it's fucking terrible. So if you can ha- find a place that's even like, even if it's not ever really like great, but it's just consistently good all the time. Mm-hmm. There's a diner here in Long Island called the Yaconi or um, East Islip. It's consistently the best diner I've ever been to. And that's why I keep going. Yeah. You got to be weird. You got to be a little leery of the places where if there's a particular cook or chef there, you know, the food's going to be good. And then right. if that person is not there, then you got to be like, let's go somewhere else. Yeah. But I agree I'm, with you. I'm, like, it doesn't need to be great as long as it's like quality. As long as it, as long as you can tell the ingredients are fresh, it's consistently good every single time you go there. You'll have a you're like I'll be a customer every single time. Got it. What you got? So consistency, actually, that was that's a great answer, Q. By the way, one of the best answers. Um, Appreciate that. To that, there's like a component of, I think, your like the mentality of the restaurant, the staff, the level of enthusiasm towards what they're doing in, in that restaurant, in that kitchen is very important because you like, that's why like when, when you go to like a place like a fucking Applebee's and like, you know, your waitress is like so fucking unenthused about taking your order. It fucking sucks. Like everything in the restaurant is just like, no one cares. They're just like, I'm here to get paid, you know, to work and get paid. Like, you can tell that shit in the food, man. And when I go to a place and they're excited for you to have that dining experience or that eating experience, like that's that's when you know like it's gonna be good. It's and even if it's not, maybe they're just psyching me into it being a little bit better than it actually is. You speaking, know? Speaking of, by the way, um, our new sponsor for today, Applebee's eating good in the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> All Why of is their... it always the thing I shit on? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, all of their commercials will play right after a long panning oh, shot. God. Of, that was terrible. Of Keeve. Oh, so <laughs> bad. That was the worst thing. No, but that's... God, what you were saying though is yeah, I agree. And that's like shout out Tap Room on Long Island. Um, mm-hmm. because we it's the reason why we keep going there is because that place not only is the staff awesome, but the like the food and the drinks are always consistently good. Tom. So yeah, we didn't get your answer. I yeah. have a very narrow, like, a very narrow definition of what that quality is. And they have to have parsley on the plate. No, I was going to. I was going to say, <laughs> in there order must be for garnish, goddamn lib. Any new place that I go to, there's always one thing that I get above anything else, and that's just a generic cheeseburger. And. If you can't get like the baseline generic cheeseburger right, yeah, I'm generally concerned. Like, I think there's a lot of places that are just like, we can just take this beef patty, throw it on the grill, put some American cheese on it, and a semi ripe tomato, and tomato, <laughs> and some <laughs> lettuce, goddamn, babe. and a brioche bun, and like send it out there. But if you can get to a place that is like actually seasoning that burger and cooking it right yeah. and they cook it the way you want it. Yeah. That's how I know the, it's good. The hamburger mix in house. Yeah. Like, like I've been know. to places where people swear by everything on the meal and I'm like, yeah, but their burger is dog shit. Versus you know, this place that nobody likes, but the burger is good. Like, you, you know, like 
something about doing the basics well means that any anything that they elevate from that point on is going to be is going to be better right if you're yeah. trying to do something fucking fancy but you can't even do a burger right like you're saying you know you're probably just going to have shit results yeah you can like, expand and contract the menu all you want but as long as the baseline stuff is good you always have something to fall back on yeah and and like Q, when mentioning consistency, the thing that I thought of, too, was, like, I've been to restaurants that have fucking small novellas for menus, and oh, yeah. I've never had a good thing on any of those menus. And then I go to a place that it's literally just a front of a small page. Everything is fucking rock solid on, on that thing. You ever, see like, my, yeah. you ever see my cousin Vinny when they go to the restaurant in uh, Alabama and it's breakfast or lunch, it literally just says breakfast or lunch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want that. <laughs> I appreciate places like that, though, because I feel like with those like small books that some places will give you, it's like there are so many options on here. I don't know what I want. And then you say one thing and the, the person that's taking your order is like, what's that? I'm like, volume two, page six. <laughs> <laughs> Epic nine. <laughs> Corinthians. <laughs> Uh, it's got its own citation page on the bottom. It's like, <laughs> but the Tom, QR code is just a Google Drive. Yeah. <laughs> You're just supposed to, yeah. Well, okay. How do you guys feel about those places that are like, no, you have to like upload the fucking menu using this Q QR code or, you know, on our link? I, I, I don't like it, honestly. I, I, there's something, I don't know. I don't know why it's, it's not like a giant big deal, but like, it does kind of say something, though, about the um, demographic that they're hoping to attract, though, right? Because you see, like, a older, you know, woman or man come in and, like, you tell them they have to, like, download a QR code. I, you're, you're probably not going to have, like, repeat customers. Yeah. I, I will also say, too, and this is my mind going down the path, but I understood why people had QR codes for COVID and things like that. But the ones that are still continuing to do it, it's like... If I can read this on my phone, what's stopping me from just like messaging you what I want instead of having to wait for a wait or like a member of the wait staff? Like, yeah. In some cases, like I do want someone to come and check on my meal. And if they're not going to do that, and we're like, oh, just see the QR code. Like, cool. Pay the extra hundred bucks a month and get the app that I can choose all this shit so I don't have to talk to anybody. Some restaurants have like a literal thing where you can pay on a machine, so you don't even they have to. Like, yeah, you don't even have to give your credit card. I, no, I think it's like I think I think it's called Machili's lunch too, <laughs> like randomly. And Nothing like, would bring me more joy than just racking up a fucking drink, like a drink fucking tab on a fucking Chili's fucking <laughs> app like that. <laughs> Sir, we've noticed that you've had seven <laughs> banana margaritas in an hour. We're going to have to ask you to. Sir, that slow can't be down. right. Nobody can ingest that many banana margaritas. No, you'd be shocked. In fact, sir, nobody's actually asked for that many banana margaritas ever. Banana margarita actually sounds <laughs> disgusting. Yes. Just frothy and thick. And then you're just Ugh. getting like the blowback of the fucking tequila. And it's just your but eyes your are muscles watering. Feel great the whole time, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All that potassium. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm hammered, or it was all the bananas that I just ate. <laughs> it's it's like carb loading for like a drunken marathon. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, kidney stones, here we come. <laughs> Q, you feeling no. better? Yeah. Q, you feeling better? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for checking on me, dick. I did check on you. <laughs> there are multiple messages in our Discord channel. Where it's we like, have, hey, just making sure you're no, okay. No, I know. No, and you're I know. the one who didn't respond to no, any I know. of them. Because, because I was in... Because I was in rough shape. I was in rough shape the entire week, unfortunately. So free agency is in full force right now with the NFL. We have a lot going on in terms of moves, who's going where. Probably Um, one of the biggest stories right now has got to be Deshaun Watson mm -hmm. and the Cleveland Browns. Um, Q, would you like to elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, it's 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 a it's an ugly situation. And look, I want to be very clear here because like we're we're getting into like legal stuff here. I have no proof that Deshaun Watson is guilty of anything. And honestly, like you know, obviously now we're not going to have any anything going forward with it because they have decided not to pursue pursue uh, any criminal charges. Uh, but I find the behavior of the Cleveland Browns kind of be pretty disgusting um, in what they've done over the last uh, few weeks. So the Cleveland Browns were pretty much considered to be out on Deshaun Watson. And I think it's mainly because he Watson didn't want to go there. Uh, but they then threw a $230 million contract to him and a fully guaranteed one at that. So I can't most, even win that off the Powerball right now. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Well, most contracts in the NFL are like structured in a way that it's like it's 230 million, but it's really like 120. This is a fully guaranteed contract. And not only did they give him a $230 million contract, they structured the first year of the contract to be a million dollars. Now, if you're asking yourself, why would they do that? It's because the anticipation is that he's probably going to face suspension uh, for the civil cases that he's dealing with at the moment. And if he faces a suspension and he's only getting a million dollars, it's not gonna he's not gonna lose that much money off of the deal. So not only did they actually like give up a huge haul for him, and look, I knew somebody was gonna go get Deshaun Watson. But I was hoping at least that like there would be some parameters set in that like he's gotta prove himself. He's gotta be able to go a first year or two with and and get through um an actual year without getting into any trouble. And the, and of course the civil lawsuits we get solved as well. And after that, then maybe reward him with a contract if he if he's proven it. But like the fact that they like went out of their way to make sure that he faces no uh, repercussions for this is insane. It's it's really crazy to me, too, because, you know, first off, he's getting the highest contract in the NFL. Biggest in right? history. Yep. It's it's a huge. Yeah, this, this is like a giant paycheck. And. I gotta, I gotta ask, um, and Tom, I'm gonna ask you, man. Like, has he proven he's worthy of that money in the first place? Despite all the alleged stuff going on off the field, you know, um, without it, without the off the field stuff, yes. I'm not gonna get into that because I don't want to like weigh somebody's NFL value versus like their moral problems or alleged moral problems. I don't want to. I don't want to play that game. Like, I, I want to. I just want to ask you: Do you think his performance on the field, and maybe I re, I phrased that wrong, and I'm sorry. Do you think his performance on the field is worthy of this giant fucking, this this glacier of a fucking? This is this is something that would have sunk the Titanic. That's how big this fucking 
Well, let's is, let's put it in like, con- let's put it in context though. Was Matt Stafford or Eli Manning worth the contracts that they got? I think it's I think it's very much just how the NFL placates quarterbacks. Like, yeah, just because you're the most you're the highest paid now doesn't mean you'll be the highest paid in a year or two. And ultimately, because it's such a sliding scale, like that number is so elastic and like it'll change throughout time. I think the the part that I find the most interesting about this, I also want to give us props too, because we talked about this a couple episodes ago where we said the narrative is going to change around Deshaun Watson as soon as he becomes eligible and something with the lawsuits happen or they get dropped. And now all of a sudden the NFL and the hot take industrial complex and ESPN is licking their chops because now they have a story for the fucking summer other than Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre coming out of retirement um, <laughs> that they can talk about. And Wait, Brett Favre? <laughs> you never know with him. <laughs> Honestly, would love to see it. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. But and he wants to sign with Green Bay and then it becomes a fucking race. It becomes a whole Between thing him again. Him and Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Go get the fucking clipboard, Aaron. <laughs> but I mean, I, like you look at all of this and it – it just shows how icky the NFL is and how willing the NFL is to forego all of these values that they have or perceived values that they have to just like, we're just trying to win games and it doesn't matter whether you are like a serial sex offender or fucking Jack the Ripper. It doesn't matter. As long as you can like connect with somebody for 80% of your throws, you're going to get a job. And Tom, he he didn't even start his contract that he signed with the Texans. I was wondering about that. That literally had not even set in. And for everybody and, and for anybody who's gonna go into like our comments about this and say, Oh, he sat all last year, isn't that enough? No, he got paid last year. He got paid a ten million dollar salary to sit and not play football. I mean, I wish the team man. suspended That's him, not the NFL. Nice. No, there was no suspension. There was a there was an agreement between the two that during this period you're not going to play. And he was like, "Fine," because he, mind you, before the allegations came out, Deshaun Watson had requested a trade from the Texans. He was done with That's them. Right, I remember that. So he was done with them. He wanted out, and obviously, the minute that the allegations dropped, the trade value was like a ham sandwich. So they're not going to trade him for nothing. So he said, well, I'm not playing for you. Okay, cool. You'll sit on the roster. You'll get paid $10 million to do nothing. And we're going to start Tyrod Taylor and, and Davis Mills. But I, the, the thing that just drives me crazy about this situation is the fact that, like, we're like, I, I, I would have expected to maybe pick up his contract or to give him a one-year deal or something. But the fact that the Browns, and that's what I'm assuming what happened with the Falcons and the Saints, because the Falcons and the Saints were the absolute favorites going into this. Cleveland had been taken out of consideration. I'm assuming that they were both kind of like, we were were interested, but it's got to be something over at least a year or so to prove that you are going to be on the straight and narrow. And then Cleveland just comes in with that offer. But the biggest thing, and I'll let you uh, go after me, Tom, is that they had the gall to come out and say, we want a, an adult in the room, quote unquote, when it comes to quarterback. I Look, I've had my issues with Baker Mayfield. He's a cocky bastard, and you either love him or hate him. But wow, 
way to eviscerate that man by claiming a guy who was accused of sexual assault the adult in the room. Crazy. <laughs> That's so fucked up. As soon as I saw yeah, that... that a shit show. <laughs> and the people that run the teams are fucking trash humans, too. Oh. But I will say a, a thought that came into my head um, when I saw that trade happen was, great, now we're going to have a full year of salty and sullen Deshaun Watson being all jammed up that the media didn't believe him and that his reputation has been ruined. And we're just going to get these really short clipped press conferences where it's real brief and real snarky. And we're going to do that for the whole fucking year because now he's scorned because, you know, he was held accountable for a year, but not really because he got paid for it. And I'm just, I'm waiting for that. It's like, yo, this is my motivation. Like, bro, your motivation should have been like, don't go to jail. The, that's the thing, though, in the NFL, in, in life in general, I think, right? Like, the narrative is going to change on him the minute he starts winning. People are going to look at him in a different light. He And then he there'll be the ESPN right interviews where it's all light and fluffy and they're all fucking puff pieces. It's yeah. embarrassing. Oh, he's going to he's gonna get sanitized almost immediately. You know, in these situations, I often ask... What would Urban Meyer do? <laughs> Dude, what a king. I mean, <laughs> he, he's, so, he's so fucking cool, man. He just comes in and he knows absolutely nothing. And he just doesn't even fucking try. It is, heck, Tom, does this not have shades of Phil Jackson as president of the Knicks? Does this not remind you of that almost where he just came in and like you can tell he's just doing it for the money and he does not give a shit. He said... He didn't know who Aaron Donald was. Aaron Donald is like the, what, three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year? And he goes, hey, who's a 99 on the Rams? That guy's good. He's like, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer right now. Yeah, he was also in college when you were a coach, Irvin. Like, how do you not know this? <laughs> That's exactly, I was like, what, what was yeah, going on in his – I will just I will just say, Q, I, you brought up an analogy that I hadn't thought about before, but I was thinking about this earlier today. These are the, and for anybody who hasn't read, there's a really telling story that was written in The Athletic about just the like brief, like Airbnb stay that Urban Meyer had with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I was thinking to myself, this is a man who either one, wants to get fired, or two, knows he's not going to get fired. Either one of those is a bad combination because if you read in any part of that article, what a lunatic. You can get away with this stuff in college where those teams are protected and the coaches are, they do some pretty wild shit there and no one says anything because there's a, such an age disparity and power dynamic. But when you get to the NFL and you're rolling around in your tactical jean shorts, yelling at people <laughs> and having a Tim Tebow Tuesday. It's just like, I mean, <laughs> Honestly, it, Tim Tebow Tuesday sounds actually pretty cool. If if you pull that off in college, it just sounds like some you know some national lampoons fucking hijinks. You know, in the NFL, it, it sounds it, like you probably need medication. That's the difference here. There there isn't a part in the article because like there's look this is all well and funny and all that, but there is some seriously horrific shit in this article because at one point John Brown, who is by the way an accomplished receiver, played for many teams. There was a part in which he ran the wrong route in practice. Apparently, Urban Meyer goes to Trevor Lawrence and 
tells him, hey, Trevor, you got to slow it down for him, Meyer said. These boys from the South, their transcripts ain't right. Now, mind you, I want to point something out here. His English ain't grammatical. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence <laughs> is from the South as well. Trevor, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is from Georgia. Tom, at one point, I think there's something about, like, he wanted people to, like, not have children. Am I correct? Oh, that? Uh, he made – he tried to get his players to sign like a – I don't remember the exact term, but it was some kind of like chastity agreement where players would not have sex during the season. And judging by that video that was taken in his bar from Ohio State, one could make the argument Coach Meyer wasn't going to be following that contract. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he's just stealing – is he stealing that from, like, the Southern Baptist summer camp for teens fucking playbook? Like, where I, the fuck does he get I, that from? Did just, he make them wear promise rings too? This was a guy who maybe, like, when we were in college, like, 15 years ago, he was looked at as, like, a god and a really transcendent coach that players got along with and that other coaches, like, looked to to get – like, taking – Utah to a bowl game, um, reinvigorating Florida, making sure that Ohio State was relevant again. He did all those things. And then it feels like the last couple of years at Florida were weird. And then the last year at Ohio State was very, very weird. And now this University of Florida or this Jacksonville thing is just complete like transformation into a completely shitty human. Some people still do think he, he is a fucking god. And on top of that, you kind of wonder if he thinks he's fucking God, and that's why he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, and, and you know what, uh, Tom, you mentioned Florida, because he stepped away from Florida for health-related purposes, and then all of a sudden he's coaching at Ohio State, like what, like less than a year later? Yeah. And then he leaves Ohio State because he's like, I need to spend more time with my family as he goes to bars and hooks. <laughs> but, well, that um, same move this year, too. Yeah. Yeah, we but, talked well, about what, it on the show. Yeah, this is all speculation, right? Because like this is just being reported, and like there's hadn't been many sources. But I do want to point out DJ allegedly, Chark, allegedly, DJ Chark, uh, who was a receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he was drafted by them. Um, he was actually contacted. He signed with the Lions um, in free agency, and he said he signed with the Lions because of culture, like. The Lions have a better culture than the Jags. Quote, you've got players in, in fear that they're lo- going to lose their jobs. You've got coaches who he belittled in front of us, and I can only imagine what he was doing behind closed doors. I'm surprised he lasted that long, to be honest with you. They fired him like week 11, right? I believe it was like the little past the halfway mark. That, yeah. That, not to, to read into this too much, but it almost sounds like code as if he knows – there is not always that like they're a not challenge. having it's just a, exactly yeah exactly yeah yeah they don't think because if a player comes out and like directly says something like he was a racist like you know they're, they're, there's a chance that they it could really affect them negatively more than anything else which is sad and it's telling us the well culture I can make a I can I can make a prediction though Urban Meyer will not handle that situation like Gruden did. Let's just put it that way. You know, he'll write letters, not emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Urban does Urban Meyer have Deuce Gruden? Does he have a son named Deuce? No, he does not. So uh, I probably true. got like a trace in his family or something like that. Does Fucking Does Urban Meyer have? Uh, I guarantee. I'm guarantee he does. 
that's checkmate. If you don't have a son named Deuce who's like a muscle hamster type dude, then like, what are you really doing? Nathan Meyer. Wait, it sounds Nathan, like Oscar Meyer, Meyer and Nathan's hot dogs got married. <laughs> yeah, it was the merger. <laughs> he was the merger. The Bronkhorst family is so pissed. <laughs> he, he didn't know who Aaron Donald was. He didn't know who Debo Samuel was. He didn't know who Jamal Adams was. Like, what did he do? Dude, like, you might have recruited some of these guys. Like, how do you not know who they are? <laughs> oh so I have to ask this question because I think with the NFL, it's only a matter of time before these fucking clowns resurface. What is no. Urban Meyer's timeline to get on to ESPN, Fox Sports, NFL Network, or some like the Ohio State channel? I think it depends on what comes out of this. If it's some really ugly stuff gets uncovered, then nobody. Uh, because he is old enough that – because, like, remember, he was retired uh, before all this. And, oh, by the way, there's a great video. Um, you can find it online of Urban Meyer doing an interview with NFL Network, and you can clearly see in, his comp- in a mirror in the back a guy is smoking a bong. Um, and you see him, like – like waving the guy away and look that up. It's pretty funny. I don't think he's really going to end up resurfacing anywhere. I'm pretty sure this is where he's going to go away. He's 57, almost 58. I totally see him being on the herd with Colin Coward. (laughs) Where Colin was right. (laughs) He also has like Joe Rogan co-host vibes to him. So let's not, uh, let's not discount that possibility. You I were just coach of the Jags. Wow, that's crazy, man. You ever do a DMT? Yeah, well, I was the coach of the Jags. <laughs> yeah. What do you think I was doing? The entire was time. The I, entire I mean, Q, I have to, I have to agree. I think that he will. Um, this is the last we hear of him, but he also was able to score a job after being asked to leave Ohio State instead of being fired because he harbored a domestic abuser on his team and just basically ignored it. So, and there were text messages back and forth of him, like saying, Hey, you gotta, you gotta figure this out or you gotta not be so obvious about it. I really want a 30 for 30 on that Florida team where he had Tim Tebow. He had Aaron Hernandez. He had Riley Cooper. Like I I want a 30 for 30. Get the Pouncey brothers on that team too. That sounds sounds more like, ESPN's hand at like a fucking comedy sitcom. Honestly, I really I need like a documentary about that team. Percy Harvin was on that team too. So was, was. Cam Newton. Listeners, if if you really want to see this happen, um, we'll set up a GoFundMe. You fund us, and we will start writing that script. We will do that. Take it right. You can even pick the name that we will try to sell for the show. By the way, like and subscribe. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah, I I don't know. I I like. I could see him end up end up getting a coaching job somewhere, but I just it, it really is going to depend. This is this to me feels like it's starting to drip, and we're going to like it's gonna it's gonna it's all gonna come out soon. Like you're gonna start, people are gonna start feeling comfortable to uh, pretty much start kind of um, unleashing all the info, and and some people are gonna be willing to uh, speak on the record. And, and once that happens, I just I don't see him recovering from that. I don't think he has the track record for people to cover for him. And honestly, some of the stuff that he did is so egregious and so against like professional norms that I could very easily see people just like stepping out of the way when the train comes and runs him over. 
and ultimately not a physical train, but like the media train and all of the, the bad publicity, like this is what happens when you let your ego basically run your brain and uh, you have no personal guardrails or nobody to say like, Hey man, you're not that important. So a, um, a Hamlet moment for him is coming in the future. <laughs> we shall yeah. see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tom, I'd like to transition here for a second. Um, I'd like to get your comment. Um, just overall feelings here. So your Washington commanders command up, take command two, three third round picks for Carson CJ Wentz. Please tell me how you're feeling. Tom, put it down, put down the knife. This is when, this is what <laughs> happens when the commanders go commando every day. <laughs> Right. This is when the, the commanders without pants on. This is Dan- what happens when the commanders turn into the commies and they seize the production of quarterback play. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom, when you when you lead the revolution, is, is what is Dan Snyder going to be in like the gulag? I'm like immediately. We will have a winter palace for Dan Snyder. <laughs> 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 Look, I mean, it's not an ideal move for them. It is not your ideal quarterback, but considering the last six or seven years of guys they've had play quarterback, it does not shock me. They've been searching desperately for a quarterback ever since Kirk Cousins, and they have not been able to find one. Here's the thing is that I think mediocre as Carson Wentz has been over the last probably three or four years, there is still some upside and semi-competent quarterback in him. I don't necessarily believe that it will be an every game thing, but if they can have other pieces play well and he can stay healthy for the season and just manage the offense and let the running backs do what they do best. Oh, it sounds like you're buying in. This is me buying in if I know if I'm walking into a 7-Eleven and somebody's being held at gunpoint. like i am very cautiously walking to the back and getting my 99 cent arizona iced tea (laughs) and paying like six dollars for it (laughs) tom was mentioning they were looking for a quarterback since kirk cousins and i would have said they've been looking for one since uh rgb i know i was getting the wires crossed there they're, i've they're seen her Washington. workout routine she could probably play a better quarterback than ryan fitzpatrick you like that yeah i mean speaking of which i i read something the other day that um i think kirk cousins is one game under 500 for his career and he's one of the highest paid quarterbacks ever because he's a genius and he keeps taking these one-year $35 million contracts and keeps getting paid $35 million and, like, doesn't get locked into a crappy contract. Ultimately, he keeps – he's doing the Darrell Revis move. Like, Darrell Revis would, like, constantly just pretty much, like, sign a new deal, deal every – Yeah, one- or two-year deal. He'd always get ridiculous money because it was so short-term. Teams didn't really care. And, like, it, it was a genius move. And he – and. And he would just fucking sell himself in that offseason. I remember that. You'd always yeah. just have to talk about Revis Island, Revis Island, Revis Island. Every fucking off-season. brilliant. Yeah. Smart dude. The thing is, though, and I think this is the most brilliant part about Kirk Cousins, is that he is not a good quarterback. He's an okay quarterback. But he locks the, he's got the Vikings in a stranglehold because every time they're in a draft, they're picking like 21st. And... They don't, they're not high enough to get another quarterback. They're not high enough to get a, a better player. So they're like, well, we can't go with like any of these other goons that are on the roster. So uh, we'll just stick with him. 
I mean, that's just your typical NFL antiquated thinking, though. Again, the fucking greatest fucking quarterback of all time came at the end of a draft. So they could probably do something. They just don't have the fucking mental capacity to fucking do it. No, and they're the Vikings. Let's be honest about it. Yeah. Minnesota's great. But... <laughs> I feel bad for Vikings fans because they like are perpetually cursed with mediocrity. It's not like they're, they're not basement dwellers like the Jags. They are always consistently pretty good, but they they just are like just mediocre. I would I would say that's a that's a worse fate to have. Yeah, because you have high expectations, and then ultimately they just go don't go anywhere. Yeah, it's it's one thing to be like a three and thirteen every year because your expectations are already pretty low, but they're like a nine and seven team every year and just like out of the playoffs Mm -hmm. or just in and not nearly good enough to compete. And I think that's like living in NFL purgatory at that point. Yeah. Yeah. From, from like week 14 on their name is just constantly on the board of in the hunt. Right. (laughs) Does anybody have a uh, free agency winner or loser based on moves made so far? I got, I got to give a shout out to Brandon Staley of the chargers, man. What an off season for the chargers. That's a good move. I mean, for them to make a move and didn't really give up that much to get Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack together on that defensive line, and then signing J.C. Jackson, doing exactly what they should while they have Justin Herbert on a uh, rookie scale window, like just loading that team up. And that division is, is disgusting. I mean, like the Chiefs, the Broncos, I can I'm I'm hoping every single AFC West game this year is televised and nationally because like it's gonna be it's gonna be a bloodbath getting out of that division. But um Chargers are doing everything they can to build a consistent winner under Justin Herbert and I think he's gonna have a I think he's gonna have a big year three. Who who um what was the big move um in Las Vegas? They got Devontae Adams. Yes. That was gave up a lot. That was a trade though, right? Yeah, they signed Chandler Jones, um, pass rusher, very very good one. Syracuse um, pass rusher too. Yeah, John Bone Jones' brother. Um, and then they traded a first and second round for um, Devontae Adams, which is a big. But I, I think the thought process is that they he played Devontae Adams played receiver at Fresno State, and his quarterback was Derek Carr, and they put up mm. the numbers together in college, so. I think there's. I think I I understand why they're doing it. I want to say I I have to give the Raiders a lot of credit because they've shown a lot of faith in Derek Carr through the years. I'm and, happy for him. Yeah, and and you know what? Like this is another move I think where they're like he's right there. He just needs this piece. And I mean, how exciting was uh was that that game against the Chargers this year? Oh, it was great. It was one of the better yeah. games of the year. You know. Um, so I look forward to seeing what happens with the Raiders this year. Dude, that division now has Justin Herbert, Pat Holmes, Russell <laughs> Wilson, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. I mean, it, it, like, I know, I know, four teams can't come out of a division and make the playoffs, but like, it's I, are... I don't know who doesn't who who doesn't walk out of that division. I think it's the Broncos, to be honest with you. Really. Yeah, because they they had a good defense last year, but I feel like defense fluctuates year to year in the NFL now because guys leave, they come in, and like injuries so inconsistent like that. 
I just don't think they have it. And Russell Wilson has not been that good the last couple of years. Normally, I, normally I'd agree, but you're talking about now he's going to be coached by Nathaniel Hackett. Now, for anybody who doesn't know who Nathaniel Hackett is, he was the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars back in 2018 before the Green Bay Packers. He brought Blake Bortles about an inch away from the Super Bowl. So, yeah, but his dad was Paul Hackett, and any Jets fan hates his guts. So, <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will give my um, free agency signings, and I'm gonna give it up to Bengals because they did exactly what they were supposed to do this offseason. And Agreed. it's not one signing in particular; it's a collection of them. I'm looking at their additions right now. I know Lyle Collins went there, but Alex Kappa from the Buccaneers, Ted Karras from the Patriots. They've just re-signed yeah. or they've signed the the major weakness of that team, and that was the offensive line. A team that is notoriously very cheap and does not spend a lot of money, and they spent out a lot of money to to protect Joe Burrow. It, I could see Joe Burrow going the way of Andrew Luck, and I don't want to see that happen. So I'm glad they uh, made some moves. For sure. Anybody got any losers? Everybody who the Jacksonville Jaguars signed. <laughs> man, the Jags really fucking blew it, man. This they, is what happens when you say, like, oh, we have a lot of money. Let's spend it. <laughs> I mean, Trent you spend Trent it on Balky, crap. Trent Balky, man. Like, that man is just a menace. Just really hates, hates he just he get, I think he gets paid to like make his fan base hate him more. He gives Christian Kirk eighteen million a year. Eighteen million? Well, how about this? Uh Foya Alukun, who's a linebacker, why does he get fifteen million dollars a year? God. The NFL is the hardest for me to understand the numbers. Of all the sports, the numbers make no fucking sense across the board. No, because they're none of them are real. Like, because you can cut somebody next year, and you know, oh, they have three money, three million in dead cap space, like, and all that goes away. But I think we are missing a huge free agency signing disaster, which Ooh. could potentially bring about World War Four point five. Interesting. Juju Smith Schuster to the Chiefs <laughs> United. Yes. With so Jackson Mahomes. And when those two see each other in a bar and begin dancing, I could very much see the portal in Ghostbusters opening. And dude, Gary V just pulls his head out and he turns them both into NFTs, <laughs> sucks them into the fucking metaverse. <laughs> so I'm. <laughs> oh my God. You're mine now. Did you know, guys, that Jackson Mahomes has responded to the Juju Smith Schuster signing? I'm he being responded? serious. He responded, quote, now we have to collab. He reacted to the incident on Twitter saying, quote, they were thirsty. I don't know what that means. I just imagine. I would say they're parched. I just imagine Patrick Mahomes just driving endlessly throughout the state of Missouri, just trying to get the fuck away from his brother. <laughs> they uh, Big congratulations to them, by the way. Uh, Patrick Mahomes just got married. He did. So he, he just decided to make that headache permanent. <laughs> I mean, there was a there was a there was a video of of uh, him and his then fiance at a game together, uh, sitting courtside, and it looked like they were arguing. And then he he seemed to protest a lot, Pro probably about the uh, floral arrangements on the tables. Yeah, probably. I mean, if he was really fucking smart, he would have accused his fiance of sleeping with his brother and gotten rid of both of them in one shot. <laughs> but it didn't happen. He's he's clearly a glutton for pain or he's just had enough concussions already. Oh man, it's uh 
it's it's tough for him, but I guess the uh, hundreds of millions of dollars probably helps him sleep at night. So, yeah, he's probably got a big enough house where he could find a new place to sleep. <laughs> he probably <laughs> bought. He probably bought his wife a separate house. He like, bought himself here. a guest house. <laughs> I mean, it is like Missouri. I'm sure he brought up like a fallout shelter or something. Um, are we thumbs up or thumbs down on Matt Ryan getting traded to the Colts? Thumbs up for Matt Ryan. It's awesome to see because honestly, the Falcons weren't going anywhere. I think they knew they weren't going anywhere. They and and look, I understand the Falcons making a ploy for Deshaun Watson. He is an he's a Georgia kid, and Arthur Blank knows him since he was a child. So I get the connections there. That's all I'm going to say about that. But when you have a quarterback that's been nothing but loyal to you for over a decade and literally held off getting a bonus because he wanted the situation to get resolved first before, like with, with Watson, um, good dude. And everyone speaks very highly of him. The Colts are a team that's pretty much ready to win. They have a great offensive line, great running back, good defense. Um, he's actually going to have a shot. But, I mean, unfortunately for him, he's now going to play in the AAC, and the AAC is just stacked. So Yeah, I'm afraid he might be just a little too old at this point to, to make it work. That's, I just don't think it's going to be enough. Too. I would agree. Yeah. And I guess Marcus Mariota is going to be the quarterback of the Falcons? For now. I mean, what? I, I mean, look, I, I get that he, Arthur Smith has a history with him, but even during Arthur Smith's time in Tennessee – he got bent for Ryan Tannehill. So I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. And with Calvin Ridley out, Julio's gone. You got Kyle Pitts, and that's about it. Cordell Patterson, not really much to go there. I'm assuming they're going to probably try and uh, make a move to get a quarterback at some point. But uh, what happens with Baker Mayfield? doesn't hmm. really seem like there's anywhere to go for him at this point. He's, uh, he's going to move to Pennsylvania, and he's going to become Quaker Mayfield. <laughs> and he's going to build cabinetry and churn butter. So, Gato, so, I'm going to propose something as a Giants fan to another Giants fan. Baker Mayfield for Saquon Barkley, straight up. Both on expiring contracts. Are they the same draft year? They are, yes. Okay. They went one um, or two. I would say we would be getting something that's, that the packaging is a little less stepped on. The Browns, much, would, the but... Browns would have Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley to go with Deshaun Watson now. And the Giants would That's be able to... a lot of run to, force. It's a lot of run force. And for the Giants, they would be able to throw him in the mix against Daniel Jones and see if maybe one of them... And look, Brian Dables performed miracles with Josh Allen. So I think there's a chance that he could get something out of Baker Mayfield. I like the thought that it could just be the catalyst in which we get rid of Daniel Jones faster. So I think this is... There are one of two things that can happen. Right, mm-hmm. he gets traded at the end of training camp. Yes. Um, Injury. He, yeah. Um, I would wager, probably one of those two teams we talked about, either the Falcons or the Texans, um, because they're both dome teams, and I think, I don't think he has the arm strength to play in New York City, let alone Cleveland, particularly when it's the winter time. Or what other what else happens is the Browns just realize like we can't have this guy on the team and nobody wants him because we're trying to get rid of him and no one's going to offer anything. So we'll just cut him and eat the salary. And then I think he just, he will find a way to end up on one of those two teams. I think it's going to be Houston 
solely because he has a lot of traction in that Texas, Oklahoma area. He's and from Texas, right? He is from Texas. Yeah. Um, and he played at Texas Tech, too. Yeah, he's from, he's from Austin. Yeah. So, I mean, the other alternative, too, is Kyler Murray gets traded to somewhere. Um, and he can go there. I just, I think there's a very limited pool for him. And I mean, I don't, I don't see him as a backup on a bunch of teams though. That's the thing. Like I did hear that Kyler Murray is actually getting traded. Um, he's actually being, uh, I think a report came out that he's getting traded to Willy Wonka's factory. Willy Wonka's factory. That tracks. Yep. He's going to be responsible for hiding the golden ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I say that, but like, he's literally like, I think an inch shorter than me. Like, yeah, like but he's a football player and you're not. Exactly. Like, that's the yeah. difference, though. So so he's going to be playing in the land of imagination. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I also don't understand his whole shtick, too, where he wants out of Arizona when in reality, like, dude, you've been hurt. You also haven't played super great. Like, you've played decent for a person who's 5'5". Five, five. Um, I, I don't understand the attraction for him because I think a lot of the plays that he gets big yardage off of are very gimmicky. And if you have a solid team in the playoffs that knows how to play against him, they can easily defeat him. And it's shown. I think it's, I think for him, he wants a financial commitment. Um, I think he's three years in the league now. So sounds like my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Oh, um, hope she's I, not listening. <laughs> hope she's real. She's not. <laughs> I, I think he wants say that for YouTube. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our algorithm is going to fucking explode after that. Like misogyny. Awesome. If you like this, you'll love Ben Shapiro. <laughs> oh God, what the hell happened with that? By the way, got the sidetrack too much. But pod being pod being recommended that we listen to the Ben Shapiro show. Jesus fucking and I Christ, declined. Tom. Uh, but yeah, to get back to Murray, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna disagree. I'm, I'm gonna disagree with you a little bit, Tom. I I think Kyler Murray has superstar ability. Um, he's he's not put it all together. I would more put that on coach or quote unquote coach that he has. Did they re up um, with him though? Yeah, everyone oh got re Everyone got oh re and I and except for Murray, Murray has not gotten a contract yet, and I, it's unfortunate because I think I don't I don't think he's going to ever succeed with Cliff Kingsbury being the coach there. If he had a real like good scheme and a, a good um, a good offensive play caller with him, I think he I think you would see a he his arm talent for a guy who's only five ten two hundred pounds, he's got a top three NFL arm. I mean, it's legit. So for me, I, I too much talent there to not be successful. Um, he does have some diva-ish qualities that he's going to have to let go. But I think I think if you pay him, I think a lot of that will be solved. But like with Cliff Kingsbury being the guy and Steve Kime picking the players, I don't think the Cardinals are going anywhere. No, I'd be interested to see where where he would go because I think he's another guy that it. It's very, very team dependent. Like there's there's players that can go anywhere and play great, right? And there's also a number of players that need to go to a select location in order to play well. What do you what do you think he needs? What would what would what would convince you 
to think that he has a chance to be like a top 10 guy. Well, from my recollection, and again, I have not watched a ton of football over the last couple of years, but it seems like they start out very hot with that team and then they fade. That, that's a Cliff Kingsbury thing, by the way. Yeah. He, he's notorious. That's a Texas for, Tech thing. Yeah. He's notorious for um, literally collapsing in the last half of the season. It sounds I like think... his sex drive is like his football drives. <laughs> oh, you're still there, Gatto. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that he needs to put a sustained season together. I think if he was able to rattle off like a like a 14 and three record or something along those lines where it shows like, this team won throughout the year and didn't just like back their way into the playoffs or didn't start hot and everyone like kind of faded. Just that kind of consistency from the team. And that also includes just being a consistently good player. I agree. Hey folks, if you like what you're hearing, do us a favor and give us a, a like and a follow and a review on Apple Podcasts and all your major streaming platforms. Also do us a favor and like us on Instagram. Give us a follow. The Josh Hawley is my asshole of the week, so I don't want to go too far oh. into him but we can talk about we can talk about that i just don't i'm not going to talk a ton about josh hawley and all his shenanigans i don't even know i don't even what is i don't even know what he did so he's saying that um isn't he when is he not saying something fucking he's stupid a, he's a fucking <laughs> he is saying that kentanji jackson or kentanji brown jackson is um soft on crime particularly child pornography oh very cool oh so, okay not, not taking it to the extreme at all cool very so cool, i watched i watched his Talk. like intro speech today and he was very like nice to her on how he said he's like, you were very candid with me. I was very candid with you. Like we had a great conversation. What a fucking human robot. It seems very, it's, I am candid to you. You are candid to me. Mm. Yeah. It seems very weird. It seems very weird to say all of that and then rattle off a number of court cases where he is being critical of her sentencing for child predators or people who have held child sex porn or something like that. Let's not, Let's not dance around what that really is, and that's him trying to weaponize conspiracy theorists that think everything that's liberal is a fucking child pornographer or child fucking rapist of some sort. Yeah, because it's he, a fucking he, bullshit move. Because I think he, I think he's trying to make a run in 2024, so he's gonna uh, try for and what to fucking president. sweep my streets because he's not qualified for that either. It's, fucking, it's he's such he's, an asshole. He's a piece it's, of shit. Very interesting that he's taking this approach because I was listening to NPR this morning and they said that a lot of his claims that he's making about her being soft on child pornographers is very is is false. And that ultimately a lot of conservative politicians and conservative pundits are like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you be why would you say this? Because ultimately, the thing that he has to justify is, if you don't like her now, why did you like her when Trump selected her to be a Supreme or to be a district court nominee? Mm-hmm. And why was she approved? And ultimately, like, why are you approving this person for this job, serving in a capacity that could eventually lead to the Supreme Court if you don't think that she's a capable judge? So yeah, but it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. As yeah, we all know, but, every fucking procedural thing that goes on in our fucking government is bullshit. Um, do you foresee any real obstacles or hurdles that are going to have to get cleared for her to get confirmed? So 
My understanding about um, her record, and this is Katanji Brown Jackson's record, is that like so many Supreme Court justices, you either are saying that she's soft on crime or too hard on crime. It just depends on which side of the aisle that you're associated with. I don't see it being a problem only because that she was selected as a judge. I think it was for the circuit court um, during the Trump administration. Again, I might be wrong, but you know, if she was voted for then, why wouldn't she be voted now? And I think, I think like always the biggest opposition is going to come from, it's going to come from the party that's not in power, which is the Republican party at this point. And it's going to come from the fringes of the party. Um, Gatto, you alluded to the QAnon crowd. And there's actually an article that I'm reading on MSNBC. And I don't know why I'm reading it out here. But they make that allu- they make that like connection very well. Um, um, Glad I'm, someone I'm, does it better than me. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, par- I'm, I'm paraphrasing from the article. It says, in fact, as my MSNBC colleague, Jahan Jones, explained very well last week, it's probably not a coincidence that the Missouri senator's ugly allegations hew closely to claims we've heard from QAnon conspiracy theorists. So I think you were able to read through the dog whistles pretty well for somebody who has not followed this very closely. Um, because you also have a pretty good handle on the QAnon conspiracy in understanding like what the prime directive of that is. And so the thing that finds, I find the most interesting about this is how many re- Republican and conservative pundits are saying like, dude, stop doing this because one, it's wrong. Two, it's not true. And you're taking a ton of things out of context. And that does not shock me from a guy who also was totally down with the January 6th riot. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you're making like one of the points that I think also is coming from this. What you just said is I think that the the right really needs to just fucking get through this thing and not make too much of it, um, because I'm actually seeing that it's hurting them more than anything, just because it's showing these glaring holes where a party that has always been considered v- much more united they're fucking based together. They can't get their house in order and they're, they're looking fucking stupid for it because they're using the weirdest of tactics to make their points. And it doesn't sound cohesive. And in comparison, you know, like there's shit going on in fucking Europe right now. Like there's other, there's bigger fish to fry. And for someone who was given the AOK from the Trump administration, this seems like it should be something that they could easily just walk aside and change the narrative to, oh, this is something that's bipartisan or whatever, but they can't do it. They can't see their way through it. But it's remember, nuts. but remember though, that Merrick Garland was the darling of the Republican Party when President Obama was nominating, uh, was it uh, Kagan? Mm-hmm. And they were saying, nominate Merrick Garland. We love Merrick Garland. He's amazing. And then when um Scalia passed away and Obama was trying to nominate Merrick Garland he was like I'll compromise like we don't have to do a far left judge we can do someone down the middle Merrick Garland is a centrist and he is very much a centrist and they were like no like <laughs> why would we do that like we're going to we're going to hold off so they they are consistently just going to they don't care who it is they could i think he could nominate a right leaning judge and they would still block it just because 
they don't want him having a victory. And secondly, they don't want they don't want to like I think seed a another person that could vote against their their more extreme interests. It's just fucking stupid. To, sorry, Tom. I know I cut you off. It's just I have a reaction to that. It's no, no, you're fucking, fine. It's just fucking stupid to me in the fact that like they they'll they'll get someone into one of these court appointments that inevitably in the end does not and should not and probably will not have any actual allegiance to them. They have allegiance to the law and, and yes, we can make the argument. Yes, this is based on their, their feelings or views or whatnot, but their interpretation, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be loyal to the party that gets them that appointment. And we've seen that already happen um, where uh, what's, who was the one that they, they, that Trump got Kavanaugh. Yeah, and he he threw something. I forget what he threw in there. Like, oh, I'm so bad with this shit. <laughs> 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 I, I gotta put that's down the grass. That's part and of your charm, Gatto. Kavanaugh's already ruled against the Republicans in yeah. quite a few scenarios, and that's why it's like, okay, so is this just essentially for fucking keeping score? Because you're just assholes to the general public. I will give you know? credit to the Supreme Court members because. It does seem as though they that uh, other than maybe like a guy like Thomas or Scalia or um, Alito, I think there are people who are more rational more often than not. We have seen even Amy Coney Barrett uh, rule in some things that are like kind of surprising. I was I was surprised. Yeah, and that was who I was thinking of actually. Yeah, yeah, and I think there are moments of like, wow, okay, maybe maybe they do have, but then there are moments like where it's a complete shit show. But I think that I think that's just how the court is. But this is this is really really tough, man. Because like there was nobody he could nominate that was going to change their opinion. And like Tom, speak more about Josh Hawley for anybody who didn't catch it. He is Tom's asshole of the week. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> I, I do want to have a point of clarification, though. She was not nominated by the Trump administration. She was nominated by the Obama administration for a district court position, and the hearing was overseen by Paul Ryan. Um, oh, that was f- what I, I former that a former does. darling of the Republican Party before he, he turned like part time bodybuilder. Believe it or not, <laughs> I, I did I did read that her uh, Kentaji Brown and Paul Ryan actually have like a really like deep friendship. Yeah. Um, He was quoted as saying um, he's a relative through marriage. And he said, our politics may differ, but my praise for Kentanji's intellect for her character, for her integrity is inequivocal. So how can you be um, also the same party who says like this person can't be Supreme court judge. And I want to go back to one thing that you said earlier about, um, some of the, the Trump selections for the Supreme Court ruling against his administration. This is what happens when you only select people for single issues. And Trump selected a majority of the judges on single issues that were hot button at the time. Amy Coney, Coney Barrett was abortion. Um, Neil Gorsuch, I think, was the border wall Brett Kavanaugh was, we need another fucking guy from Yale on the <laughs> Supreme Court. And guy, guy, who, guy who likes beer. Yeah. Dickie or Slippy was going <laughs> to go to Mar-a-Lago or whatever the fuck his name was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
this is what happens when you get single issue people and you know, that single issue they'll hammer away at, but all the other ones, they have differing opinions, but getting back to what your question was Q. So Josh Hawley is the Senator from Missouri who um, he's been the Senator since I believe 2014. And he is also somebody who is eyeing the 2024 presidential election um, as the member of the Republican ticket. He is also somebody who is trying to be like the every person of like America. Like I'm America's candidate. I'm a sensible human. But if you listen to some of his like closed door speeches or some of his, you know, dog whistle tweets, they read very, very conservative, bordering on like illegal kinds of conservatorship. Um, where ultimately he's also somebody who will placate the QAnon crowd as well. He was rooting for the January 6th riot. Um, he said a lot of things that did not dissuade them, but kind of encouraged them. And he has been in the sort of the, you know, the witness protection program of the GOP for the last couple of months and doing his rehab of his image, just a generally shitty dude. Um, takes the most extreme viewpoints on everything, but tries to like smooth it over with just his like his charm and his like faux intellect where he basically reminds me of the, the guy who runs the fucking used Buick lot at the end of the street, but he spent a lot of money at Hager to buy a suit and shoes. Yeah. He, uh, by the way, the national review came out with an article against Holly, uh, called his claims disingenuous, but yes, the National Review is calling you disingenuous as conservative. That's pretty interesting. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> listen, I mean, he he's a real piece of work, that one. Because he's the one, uh, If correct me if I'm wrong, he was giving like the big racist to the January 6th uh, supporters. Yep, that was him. Um, yeah. So I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know about him. And then he tried to sidestep it. I don't think he realizes like conservatives have to like get it out of their head that they're somehow going to capture the hearts and minds of these people. Donald Trump had captured magic with these people. They were looking for a leader and they found one. You're not going to ever have real credence over him. And if, and if anybody is, I would say it's more likely going to be uh, the fuckhead in Florida. DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. DeSantis. Thank you. Um, I try and expel him out of my brain every day and it just keeps coming back. There's so many fuckheads in Florida though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fuckhead capital. I don't see a path for him, but I understand that he, that's exactly what he's doing. I don't see what he has to gain ultimately because I think he doesn't, I don't think people really care because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter who they nominate. Like they're going to get put through at this point. I mean, there's no stopping it. I mean, really, we're at the midterms are months away, so it's not like they're going to really be able to delay it. I don't really, I, I don't understand his motives at this point, especially because like even Lindsey Graham was pretty complimentary of her. Am I wrong about that? I, I think you're right. And most Republican politicians and senators were, I think the other thing is too, is like what, going off of what you were saying is like, what is to be gained from this? Because ultimately the the Democratic Party has the the, the, the vote power over this. Right. And They'll just do exactly what the Republicans did to shoehorn in the three justices um, that were brought in that way. And now two can play at that game. And that's what 
the Democratic Party will do. They'll have a 51-50 vote over it with um, Kamala Harris being the the tying or the, the, the tiebreaker. And like this is all performative at this point. And, you know, I don't know what playbook a lot of the of Republicans are utilizing right now, but I also feel like this is the one with the cyanide tablet at the end where mm. you do know this, there's only one way you can go with this and that's further and further to the right where you basically alienate your base. <laughs> yes. And you congrats. Now the neo-Nazis are the only ones who are going to vote for you. Way yeah. to go. <laughs> he, he, he unfortunately is in a real weird position where he doesn't have enough support from the fringe nuts I guess you can call them like mainstream mainstream courteous Republicans are not going to like him. So like, you're really in this weird, like rock in a hard place that you're just not going to be a darling. Like they only like the Marjorie Taylor greens, the Lauren Boebert's who are just like going to spend their entire time. He tries to like ride that line of like, no, I'm a faux intellectual, but then I can also kind of like, I'm going to wink at you. I'm going to give you a little wink. And it's like, it, you can't do that. You have to be all in all the time. Yeah, he's trying to use them as political stepping stones. Exactly. And they can kind of see that. It's it's 100%. very transparent. 100%. And honestly, all that he's doing, all of his ambition, it just kind of goes to speak to kind of a uh, overconfidence in himself. In Maybe he's unrealistic about the reality of the, the situation. Because... It's not like, I mean, toe for toe, he's got to think he's going to be going up against DeSantis, right? If he's going to make some sort of fucking run. And you're coming from Missouri. It does not have, it's not the same size as Florida. It doesn't have as many voters. It's not a swing state. It's pretty much insignificant. If you fracture enough of the Republican Party, you've just diluted it. So you're not going to get the votes anyhow if you went independent or try to do anything crazy like that. So there's really no plan for him no game for him here the only thing for him to do is become runner-up and take a vice president position and, and, that's, I, and that's a problem he doesn't check any boxes as a vp either like exactly. he doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't have any foreign policy experience right i he would wager though that this is probably a move to because i think his shot was the 2012 or the 2016 election right and that didn't go anywhere i think he'll stay in the presidential race as long as possible for him to be annoying for the front runners and like Mitch McConnell has to give him something to make him resign or to make him like um, announce, like they're going to discontinue his candidacy for president. Predictions on a Trump nickname for Josh Hawley. Creepy Josh. <laughs> I was going to say Holly Tosis. <laughs> Guy's got bad breath. Cause he wouldn't go little Marco on him. No, no, I don't think he could. He would be like, well, that's a tall drink of water right there. Boring, boring Josh Holly. He's very boring. <laughs> he's so, have you ever heard a talk? So boring. He he might go, he might say he's a lunatic or a crazy person. I could I, see him doing one of those. What is what is Ted Cruz's nickname? Well, Lion's Head. Lion's Head. Lion's Head. He also made, Trump also made fun of Ted Cruz's wife and said that Ted Cruz's dad was involved in JFK assassination. God, so was, I don't think he needs a Nick Tame. If he wasn't so fucking racist, he'd be so cool, man. Like, cause he's just, he's just so funny. He's so like unpurposely funny. Who, who are you talking about? Trump. He's oh, hilarious. <laughs> you know, he's so I, funny. a part of me, a part of me has always wondered if 
he just is doing a lot of it for the laughs, and they just don't come. So he's like, I'm just going to double down until someone fucking laughs. Line tag, you know? crooked, crooked Hillary. Crooked Hillary. I was, I was <laughs> in the back of my mind, I really thought that, like, kind of like a, a fever dream that I had was, like, Trump would get elected, and he'd actually be pretty, like, even keel. I did. I so did I. But the the jokes and the takes were going to be dynamite. Like everyone was just going to get tooled on all the time. When, and, when I mean, minus like all of like the sexual predatorness of him and the racism and the just really bad takes on a lot of things. Like when Marco Rubio stooped so low to say that he had like a small dick because his hands were small, and he goes, "Yeah, there's no, there's believe me, there's no problem there." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was just so great to watch like the GOP squirm when they had to debate him and Jed no Bush problem. was just low energy Jed. <laughs> low energy Jed. Have you have you ever seen a Jeb press conference? So low energy. <laughs> Jeb. I mean that was that's Trump in his prime. Man. And then you had that's um it. what oh, was her God. name? So um good. she was the the CEO of IBM for a while. Oh yeah. Carly yeah, Fiorina. Yeah. Carly Fiorina, yeah. Crazy, and crazy like, Carly. And and she knew, like, when she got up there, she's like, this is, I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> I, I don't think he ever came up with one for Chris Christie, though. Like, I mean, like, it'd be pretty obvious what, you know, he'd be going with that one. Yeah. <laughs> lion Ted Cruz is just so good. Wait, lion, not lion. lion. It's not lying. It's L-I-I-N. Lion Ted Cruz. Whoa, there is dude, Wikipedia for the fucking win. List of nicknames used by Donald Trump. <laughs> Thank God. This is a ama- and this is a long list. Oh you know my what? god. I'm actually I'm actually gonna contribute to Wikipedia now. This is amazing. Oh wow, he's got so many for jo- for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> sleepy Joe. He's sleepy Joe. <laughs> Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Creepy, Basement <laughs> Biden, Sleepy, Joe. <laughs> Sleepy Creepy, Corrupt China Joe, Basement China Biden. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Yeah, I, I Dude, know. Mini, I, like, mini I, Mike I Bloomberg. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg is Alfred E. Newman. <laughs> Dude, I hate him so much, but he's so fucking funny. <laughs> Moonbeam Moon Brown? <laughs> Whoa. Pete, Pete Buttigieg, he called him Boot Edge Edge. Boot Edge Edge. <laughs> Sleepy Ben. Sleepy, Sleepy JD ben James Comey. Sleepy Ben Carson. Wacky Bill, Wild Bill, Crazy Hillary. Jeff oh. Flakey. Oh, 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 this is my new favorite leaky, one. Leaky James Comey. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Liz Cheney <laughs> is, is low polling Liz Cheney. <laughs> Dickie Durbin. <laughs> uh, Sneaky Diane. <laughs> he eventually... <laughs> Al Frankenstein. <laughs> Wait, there's one in here for John Kasich that I don't understand. There's but it's three... one for 38 John Kasich. Yeah. What is it? One for thirty-eight. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what I, that means. Is it is it like referencing like lost elections or something? Yeah, one for thirty-eight, one for forty-one, one for forty-four. All John Kasichs. Jeff Jeff Flake is Jeff Flake. <laughs> Senator <laughs> Joe Munchkin. Oh, oh it's a reference. Senator Jeff Flake. <laughs> 
crying at him. <laughs> Lamb the sham. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, Evan McMullen, Evan McMuffin. <laughs> Oh Nancy God. Pelosi is the MS-13 lover. Nancy Pelosi. Zero <laughs> percent. Tim Ryan. Oh my God. The flailer, Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> oh my God. Nancy he... Antoinette. <laughs> Dude, he uh. fucking, he's so funny. It's not even Justin funny. Trudeau, Justin from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> There's Diane Feinstein leaking Diane Feinstein and sneaky Diane Feinstein. Dude, he, he just calls sessions straight up Mr. Magoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Basement Biden. <laughs> basement Biden. <laughs> He's hiding in the basement. <laughs> oh my god Thomas Fucking... Friedman's the chin <laughs> That's Sour I'm, like, I'm telling you man like I wish he would have given up running for president and just like did a political show where he just like keeps coming up with nicknames for politicians it just would have been great bro he, he doesn't hold back on anybody man there are no, some man. great Jeff Bozo there are some great before and afters in here, like when James Mattis was the Secretary of Defense. Mad Dog, when he wasn't. Moderate Dog. <laughs> it's a great how it started, how it's going meme. <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, though, like him going after Mike Bloomberg is still my favorite thing. When he called him Mini Mike Bloomberg and then, the, and then made the joke about how he had to stand on a crate to be seen during the debate. <laughs> Oh my god. Dude, and I want to reiterate, I fucking hate him. Okay? I hate him. Yeah, and, this I, is... and honestly, I think if he becomes president again, like it's over. Like he's never going to let go of power and like it's going to be horrible. But goddamn, he's fucking funny. And that does it for my asshole of the week. Long story short, Josh Hawley's a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, how can I even fucking I don't have anything after that. My God. Can we just go through some of those names again? I'm sure hello, I can pick one of those Anthony. out as an asshole. Hello, Slow, Anthony. Slow Anthony. <laughs> unprepared Anthony. <laughs> He's so unprepared. Unprepared Anthony. <sighs> Gaffin Gatto. <laughs> Lazy Anthony strikes again. <laughs> Lazy Anthony. <laughs> Dude, you know, every time I watch one of these, like, Netflix documentaries... There's like some sort of fucking scammer and his name is Anthony and it's it's really bad. There's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of scammy Anthony's out there. It's it's really bad Ooh. for the name. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. That's good. Scammy Anthony. Uh, yeah, I mean like it doesn't even the only thing I could think of, I saw an article this week about a guy who was uh defrauding insurances but like honestly it's not really that interesting um yeah i had all day to do this of course i did well then i'll i'll interrupt you and i'll i'm gonna switch it up guys i'm not gonna do an asshole of the week i want to give a shout out hero of the week 
RIP to John Clayton. Uh, yeah, longtime man. NFL journalist. Um, he passed away at the age of 67 this week, nicknamed the professor. Um, he did, I, I, I just associate him, I think, like nostalgia of like the, you know, you go back to ESPN during the 90s and the 2000s. He was the guy, always had the pulse. You know, you look at Adam Schefter, he walked so Adam Schefter could run. And, the, the outpouring of people just telling unbelievable stories about how not only professional, but kind and um, self selfless he was in not only like helping, like being friendly to new people in the industry, but also like extending the hand and like showing them the tricks of the trade, not worrying about his own career, not worrying about being like surpassed by somebody, just a truly uh, great dude. And, um, I, you know, I think he deserves uh, some honor. So I wanted to make him the hero of the week. And uh, I don't have an asshole of the week. You know what, Josh Hawley? You know, he's my asshole of the week, too. I also point. I also say, too, John Clayton had one of the best ESPN commercials that of all time. That fucking commercial fucking rocks, man. For Literally has, rocks. <laughs> for, any, for anybody who hasn't seen it, John Clayton is a very, was a very, like, straight-laced type of dude, always wearing a suit, hair trimmed and all that. And the commercial basically um, pushed the idea that after his segment was over, he would untie this like mountain of hair that he had, like like a 1980s like hairband rocker. And he was sitting on his bed eating Chinese food, yelling at his mom, "My segment's over!" Like he's living, he's like living at home with his mom. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, so yeah, so R.I.P. to the legend John Clayton. Um, sucks. I could, I, I, you know, I was surprised. I hadn't seen him in a long time, and I was wondering what was up with him recently. And, Looks like he was going through some times. Yeah, got you, you punting on it, or I, I, I forget if we talked about this. Um, the Ron DeSantis thing with the school kids. Oh yeah, that might have been during our off week. That yeah. that was uh, during the off week, right? Dude, fuck that guy, man. But I, I feel like that's that's still an assholey thing. Certainly yeah. is. I think you could just leave him on the board every week, and like you'd be safe. So you want to break that down a little bit, Cato? Yeah, Ron DeSantis. Um, you know, you brought we brought him up. We were talking about him a little bit, and that reminded me because I was pretty unprepared here. I got to say, he did this I think last week, but we were in a little bit of a hiatus. What happened was he had a he was given some sort of speech. Um, he was standing on a podium, said like workforce education, cybersecurity. Um, I'm not sure if he knows what any of those words actually mean. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, behind him uh, were a bunch of high school students. And uh, right before the, you know, they started their announcement, um, there was, you know, he was he was going to announce this 20 million in funding for IT cybersecurity training opportunities. And before he did that, he addressed some high school students behind him wearing masks. You know, they. Isn't, yeah, isn't so it, isn't it incredible though? Like he chastised those kids for wearing masks, and isn't it incredible yeah. that like they chose to wear a mask? And like whether or not you have a, a positive per mask or a negative per mask, even if you don't, you think it does absolutely nothing. This crowd likes to pretend like, oh, we don't care what you do as long as you respect my. They didn't yell at him for not wearing a mask, and he's yelling at children. For wearing, yeah. for wearing masks by their own personal choice. That's that's the thing. Like, not all of them, I don't think, were wearing them either. You know, a few were. And he just turns to them, and he's like, take those fucking things off. You know, I don't think he said fucking, but he's like, 
He's like, he, I he, mean, he, you take them off, you know? He you said, don't have he to wear those masks. Yeah, he said it's not necessary, and it's like it's like it's, it's all for show. And then pretty much said, like, oh, you can wear them, but like take them off. Like he he kept jumping back and forth. Yeah, just enough to confuse you, but try to let you know, take them off. You know, right. I think I think it's important to note this is probably the first time these these young people have ever met a politician or somebody of that stature, and the first thing he does is like shame them for wearing masks. Like, granted, the the research is kind of all over the place regarding mask wearing or what kinds of masks are like beneficial and which ones aren't. But I think ultimately it comes down to like a personal preference. And I mean, these, these kids were either just doing what they were told or doing what they believed was going to keep them safe. And the only interaction they have with the governor of Florida, when he's about to go on and talk about this initiative that they're doing in South Florida is to just like be really dickish to them is I don't think he realized how like how bad he came off. Well, yeah, that and how like long lasting that can be, particularly for young people where this person in power is just dismissing you for something that you're doing. And it's just I mean, I'm not even going to get into like this guy's a fucking asshole, but it's just like, God, these are are kids. And even if they're college students, like they're still young people, they're still like they're still just doing what they're told and they're, they're not hurting anybody right now. And I think, it, he was, I think we need to recognize, like we can be nicer to people and we don't always have to make a point. Well, I think that's the thing is like his reaction was cause it's an inconvenience to his image or to his political standpoint. And yeah, that's exactly it. And, and that was, and, that's why he reacted in the way he did. And I'm so happy fucking cameras were pre-rolling on all that because, because it's just a fucking mask at the end of the day. It's the same as me wearing a hat. No one, no one fucking tells me to take off my hat if I decide to wear one, right? It's just a choice. And it's not hurting anybody. And you know? supposedly the big part, the big tent Republican Party that are, is trying to recruit people to come into the party and change its image and... Ultimately, it's still the same Republican Party that disregards like the the youth vote and thinks the kids are stupid and they're like they should just be ignored or yelled at because they're crazy kids with their loud music and hula hoops. The Republican, the Republican caste system. Yes. Yeah. The kids are at the bottom of that shit. Yeah. And Gato, you made an excellent point that it's. It really, I, I don't think he personally cares. I think he just doesn't want a photo or a video being snapped of him with children wearing masks in the back because he knows it's like, it's not good for my brand. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's so typical though that the Republicans will eat this shit up though because it's like, I thought you guys were all about like personal liberty, right? Like, so why why is me wearing a mask triggering you so hard? And it's, you know, you don't respect my bodily autonomy, but you want me to to respect yours? Like, it's ridiculous. It's the cognitive dissonance of the GOP. Yep. I agree. You want to move on to picks of the week? Absolutely. Cool. Um, let's start. Let's snake around. Q, let's go back to you. Yeah. Uh, mine's a simple one. Um, I saw Matt Reeves, the Batman, and it fucking rocked. Um, nice. 
it it was really fuck it was three hours long and i i you know if anybody knows me i'm not a big fan of uh three hour movies but it it was so compelling that like it literally didn't even feel that long um matt reeves for anybody who doesn't know he's done movies like cloverfield uh he did the remake of let the right one in he's uh he did the planet of the apes movies recently he's a very talented filmmaker um batman is you know superheroes in general we've seen an oversaturation of them and i think the dark knight trilogy christopher nolan really kind of uh put it in perspective and i think a lot of people don't feel like you can do better than that so he he is taking it from a very different perspective um, to where that I felt like, and I think the way I've kind of described it was the Dark Knight trilogy felt like an action movie with Batman in it. Mm-hmm. And these movies feel like Batman movie with action in it. So it kind of didn't feel authentic with the Nolan movies to where this feels like a legitimate movie. Uh, the music is fucking awesome. The cinematography is fucking great. And it's just fucking like Pattinson. I, I want to give a fucking shout out to Rob Pattinson, man. No, that dude started out in Twilight and like was like a heartthrob teenager, and since then he's been fucking crushing it. Man. He's a great actor. The internet is so fucking brutal because I saw something like this. That was all part of the fucking plan was like for him to spend years brooding as the mm-hmm. fucking Twilight guy yep. to f- become the fucking Dark Knight. You know, <laughs> and and you're seeing that like directors, like talented directors, want to work with him. He did The Lighthouse, Robert Eggers. Yep. Um, he did. Um, he was in another Christopher Nolan movie. Uh, what was he the... was in? He was in Tenet. Uh, yeah. With Christopher yeah. Nolan, and Good Time with Safdie Brothers, and like he's he's just crushing it. And um, he was Good he was him. fantastic. Paul Dano is one of my favorite actors, and he was he crushed it as the Riddler. It, it was just it was just like exactly what I wanted in a in a Batman movie. Batman is like I'm not a huge superhero guy, but like Batman is like always something I will tune into. I big kudos to the fucking DC universe because they're like rebranding right now and going in multiple different directions with different parts of their universe and it's more entertaining than just doing that old reproduction of like a marvel movie where mm-hmm. you know it's just that same kind of campy everything shot behind the green screen yeah. you know like in the last few years dc universe has put out joker suicide squad and this batman movie that like they they're all very very different in cinematic style it's really good for i think that type of for their for that brand for that brand well, it's excellent we it's had a, this conversation i think this is in the lost episode actually yeah this, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i think there is a stark difference between like batman and marvel movies in the sense that i don't like the marvel movies because every new movie is like a worse enemy like how much honestly how much more of manhattan could you destroy seriously <laughs> but um I think Batman sits a little different for me because most of those movies feel like movies that just so happen to be based on comic books. Yeah. And it's a more enjoyable franchise to me because the Batman feels more human than anybody else. Cause he has no real superpower. It's just 
he's loaded. He has a ton of <laughs> NFTs. Um, that, that's a, <laughs> but but that's also power in itself. But also the the villains in it feel more evil. And they feel much more relatable than Thanos, which is like a green screen creation versus like Colin Farrell as the Penguin and um, Paul Dano as the Riddler. And even um, um, who played the Joker and now he's passed away. Um, Heath Ledger. Yes. All of those felt very human, felt very natural and terrifying all at the same time because the only thing they have done to them is – is actual just like prosthetics and makeup. They're not like CGI representation. Like, and that's what I think. That's what I think most of the Batman movies have done very well is staying very far away from CGI and keeping everything real film. Mm-hmm. I want to point out something too, is that like to where I think the dark Knight always had like that, that whole trilogy always had like an underlying, very positive feel, like mm-hmm. almost like very slick. This felt like a Fincher movie. Yes. Like I felt like I was watching seven with Batman in it. Very dark. Um, Paul Dano's character. It's kind of like looking at Riddler. Like what if Riddler was like a Reddit insult? And, but like, there's a, there's, there's a whole subplot before that. And you actually forget about the Riddler and you like, you forget about, and then all of a sudden it comes to like a, like fever pitch at the end and um dude uh, yeah robert pattinson's fucking awesome he uh he's been he's been really crushing it so um yeah i i really enjoyed it um it will be hitting hbo max uh i believe next month awesome so if you, if you don't have time to see it in the theater it will be coming soon so that's what i got uh i um i'm gonna go with game theory with bomani jones uh okay. it's a sports talk show featuring bomani jones i'm a big fan of bomani jones i like his insights on a lot of things um it doesn't come from your necessarily conventional sense of like you know insider in in the professional leagues um he comes from an economics background i think tom had pointed that out to me once often really like his takes on things and he now has a show and um the first episode was was a little i think rough around the edges but the second episode that i that i saw um recently uh is pretty good it's pretty solid and um he talks about a lot of things that we talk about so if you're loving what you're hearing here you're definitely gonna love what you're hearing there and uh yeah go check that out that is also on hbo max oh look at you <laughs> i i always i always found bomani jones very insightful yeah his podcast is great yeah this will not be a bill simmons uh situation no um i'm going to deviate away from warner media and go to apple tv <laughs> um my I have two picks of the week, but my first one is For All Mankind. It's a show that's on Apple Plus. Um, I am a new subscriber to Apple Plus, and I will say this show ticks all the boxes for me. It's a um, it's a retelling of history if the Soviet Union had landed on the moon first, and all of the potential changes and story arcs that we know from 1969 onward dramatically change. Um, it's it's very well resourced. It's very well researched, and it's it's cast very well. 
Joel Kinnaman serves as like one of the primary characters. Um, Michael Dorman, Sarah Jones, Chantel Van Santen, um, all very good in their roles. Um, I started watching it maybe on like Friday or Saturday and um, I've been watching it so much. I've been watching it so much. um, My wife started watching it with me. She's like, this is actually really good. I wish she didn't watch like five episodes without me. I'm like, it's kind of how it works. Um, It's okay. We'll go back and watch them. (laughs) Yeah, we can. The show is good enough why, where I'd be willing to do that and go and start over. Um, And then my second pick this past weekend, I um, got invited to go to the second ever Charlotte football club uh, soccer match or football match. Um, The franchise is brand new. I was present for their first win in team history and their first goal scored at home. Um, one of my friends who lives in Charlotte, he is actually a member of like a fan club or a supporter group called Southbound and Crown. And so he's a hooligan. They had a badass tailgate and I sat in the supporter section. And by the time I left that game, they won three to one and I was covered in beer. You know, it's funny because like I've seen what is the essential like tailgate in Europe of like football clubs like before matches and it's a pretty insane scene and i i've always wondered like what that would translate to in america because like america is known for the fucking tailgate right like especially down south they do it fucking big they fucking they set up fucking with the cars with the trailers with the barbecue with the fucking kegs like i can only imagine that had to be an insane scene so the first game that they played at Bank of America had 75,000 people there, that's, which I'm pretty sure good. is more than the Panthers have gotten in a while. Um, this last game, I think, had like 30,000 people, but it was – I mean, I had a card that had all of the chance that was given to me. It was double-sided. Um, and, I mean, standing up for 90 minutes is – and then jumping up and down the whole time. It's a little taxing on the lower back and knees, but it was a great time. Um, Stand, really, standing up because you wanted to or standing up because there was no seats? It's a supporter section, so you have to stand. Oh, it's like a whole – oh, it's like an actual – okay. It's yeah, one of the so, weird things about soccer. So <laughs> They have these sections. Like yeah. That. I want to I give a shout-out to – They the, have them in other sports too. The, the fan group, Southbound and Crown. You can follow them on Instagram. Great group of individuals who welcome me in. Pretty wild. I hope I get a chance to go again. Um, but those are my two picks of the week. Tom, do – what were you chanting in the streets? Like you guys were in full force, like rolling down the fucking. No, no, street. No, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna guess he does not remember because I'm uh, gonna that's guess fair. <laughs> very, very inebriated. So I remember parts of it, but the only reason why I don't remember is because I don't have that card anymore. And there was like thirteen <laughs> or fourteen different chants on there. It's hard to remember them all. And also, too, a number of them are in Spanish as well. So. Your boy needs some help with that. (laughs) Awesome. But yeah, I mean, that was the first soccer match or football match I'd ever been to. And it was a hoot. You woke up in the front yard. No, I actually came home and ate popcorn and then went to sleep. (laughs) Emily is a saint. I don't believe that. I don't believe that, folks. That was a very drunk Tom when he got home. No comment. (laughs) Tom, Tom was just standing in the dark in his garage, pressing the button to open and close his garage door. 
that's not true because we don't have the exterior door opener. Uh, we don't have the keypad, so that's fraudulent. <laughs> it was the back porch lights. <laughs> Just flicking them on and off. Yeah, well, that does it for another episode of the Second Mouth Podcast. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in. Uh, this show would not be possible without listeners like you, so give us a five-star review on all your favorite streaming platforms and share this episode with your friends. Lastly, follow the Second Mouse Podcast on all your, all your social media accounts. Just search Second Mouse Podcast and give us a like and a follow. We normally share some pretty funny content, so why not follow a page that's going to give you a laugh as you're sitting through another Zoom meeting or, God forbid, you're back at work. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in, and we'll see you all next week. Okay, let's give me a rhythm! Then he says, and I'm not kidding, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow! (laughs) Bye. Fuck off.